Wheels, 2.01 p.m. in the afternoon, May 1st, entering the RSS feed of Got It Memorized, a Twin Peaks podcast with a Kingdom Hearts quote for a title. Shouldn't be too hard to remember. I'm sure the hosts have a fun show. That's what I need. Fun show, reasonably paced. I'm Joe, and this is Wheels. How are you, Wheels? I'm doing pretty good, although there is an issue, and the issue is that I think oh, no. I was kind of spoiled by the 90 minutes, by the 90 minute pilot yeah. last time, because <laughs> I got to the end of this app, and I'm like, don't go <laughs> because yeah, i feel that this show is good <laughs> this show aired when i was this show well number, number one show's good number two this show aired when i was negative two so i it's only been a binged show binged watch for me this is the first yeah. time I was that i've had any that. reason where i like have to stop and like sure i could just watch the next episode it's my favorite episode in the series probably a lot of people's but but also mm-hmm. like i don't want to delete my memory of of you know i watch it the morning we record so i'm fresh well, i can, I can recommend i can recommend a person named nominee to you if you would like to, to do that <laughs> uh, <laughs> i rec on your way on your way you're gonna want to stop at castle oblivion <laughs> they got a time witch there that'll kill you <laughs> <laughs> oh that's good shit i was gonna bitch you the same thing because i didn't like binge it binge it but i would watch like maybe two episodes at a time a couple times yeah, a sure week. Because, they're, yeah, they're, like, 46 minutes. But, yeah, there's something really nice now of, like, just, like, making appointment television out of a, you know, near, like, 30-year-old 30, mm-hmm. 30 show. Um, where it's like, yeah, I'm just gonna, I'm sitting down and watching 46 minutes of this show. And then tomorrow I'm gonna talk to my good friend Wheels about it. And I'm, it's, 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 And then I'm we're already not gonna watch it. it for another six days. Yeah, it's, it's wild that appointment television used to be a thing and now, like, uh, I mean, you like it now, back, bitch, got it yeah, memorized. <laughs> yeah, I know p- people were talking about that with WandaVision where they were like, this is the most revolutionary thing that it just comes out one episode a week. And I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if I would. You're just watching TV. You've, you've, you've only seen 23 movies and now you're surprised that TV exists. And that's worked for them. Not that I've watched those shows or, or really cared to. But people, people are like, yeah, I missed appointment television. So I'm happy that now let me uh, we're let doing me this. tell you about days of our lives. <laughs> you ever heard of General Hospital? <laughs> Gotta watch my soaps, uh, which this is. Don't at me. Uh, do you want to get into it? Oh yeah, it's I. Twin Peaks is funny because it very much is a soap opera, but it, like it mm-hmm. turns it so much up to eleven by the end, where it feels like a parody of it, but also it just still is. In a way, it's like the you know, it's like hyper pop that subgenre. Mm. It's like pop music. Yeah, it's like it's it's as you mentioned, it's turned up so high that it's kind of distorted. Mm-hmm. Which is what Lynch is uh, also does with like just melodrama in general in a lot yeah. of his movies. So uh, it tracks. But we we are now on the second episode of this this podcast series where we are now discussing uh, the second episode of Twin Peaks, which is episode one. That's right. Yeah. Or uh, um, la- later one, titled. This? Traces to Nowhere. That's right, yeah. And I think some of those titles have, like, I think this one is probably just called Traces to Nowhere Everywhere, but I think there are a few where, like, the title is in dispute because Mm. they were titled, at least for a while, maybe it's cleared now, but for a while the titles were only in, like, the German release, so the English titles were always unofficial. Yeah, I think that's, if I recall correctly, that's what it is. Um, I don't know if we said Northwest Passage in the last episode, but that was the I think you did at the end of the episode title. when you said that Oh, was. yes, um, we say it at the, the ending then. But yeah, this episode's really good. Uh, <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, it's, it's not directed by Lynch, it is written 
by Lynch and Frost, uh, directed by Dwayne Dunham, which I learned, like, I don't know if he edited Blue Velvet. I think he just wanted to. Oh, I see. Oh, no, he is credited as the uh, editor for Blue Velvet and Wild at Heart, which came out basically the same time as this. Yeah. And it's interesting because he had studied Lynch's style, so it it feels right. It feels in line. That's right, yeah. With the surrounding episodes. Even though though this one doesn't get... It doesn't yeah. get too wacky, but the yeah. non-wackiness feels non-wacky in a, mm-hmm. er, in a lynchy way. Yeah. Uh, we open with Dale Cooper upside oh. down on the ceiling. <laughs> it's so... <laughs> like I, a fucking I, bat. <laughs> yeah, like, it, the, the, it's just like, the camera is just panning around his room while he monologues to Diana's tape recorder, but it eventually reveals that he is hanging from a bar in the... Some in sort his, of, yeah. I don't know, because he's not, like, doing, like, pull-ups on it. He's just doing. I think he's just he's, hanging there. Well, I think he's doing a reverse. What are they? What do they call it? Uh, I guess it's just a reversal. It's just I don't know the details of the of this is actually right in the science. But I remember in high school, uh, my health teacher teaching us that it's uh, occasionally good to have an instance where your head is under your heart for a decent period of time and and breathing purposefully because that kind of gets. It improves your, the circulation to your head, I'm told. I don't know how true that is, but I think that's what he's trying <laughs> I, to do. I'm sure it's all true. <laughs> yeah. I'm sure it's owl true. But Those anyways. aren't what they seem. That's, that's true. They're not. Uh, his, this whole monologue is great. I don't know if we need to read uh, the, the whole thing, but it's just, it's just no, more he's just describing, Cooper. He's just describing his hotel room to Diane in his normal... Mm-hmm. Uh, staccato patter that he does when he's talking mm-hmm. to Diane on the tape recorder. Yeah, but like he just pays attention to every detail. He's telling her that the mattress is firm, but not too firm. And no lumps like that mm-hmm. time. When I told you about down in El Paso. What a nightmare that was. And then he just, yeah, talks about getting coffee. And then he gets down and immediately picks up the tape recorder a second time. And uh, this is particularly funny to me because it feels like he's going to make some revelation about the case, um, which is, like I think, a common bit for cooper where he's like Mm -hmm. he's like uh there are two things that continue to trouble me and i'm speaking now not only as an agent of the bureau but also as a human being what really went on between marilyn monroe and the kennedys and who pulled the trigger on jfk and then it just cuts (laughs) away and then it just cuts away to a different scene this fucking guy I mean, every I, I think we made the same joke last week, but everybody in Twin Peaks is kind of make up a guy, but so much Dale Cooper is. Yeah. It's funny to me that not that like maybe like well, he's he strikes me as a guy who made himself up and now. Yeah. Just fully embodies the role. Right. Like no kid was ever like this, but mm-hmm. I can imagine a kid wanting to grow up to be like this and succeeding. And that's yeah. Dale Cooper. You know what I mean? It's, absolutely. It's it's funny to me how just like I guess four five ish years in between Kyle MacLachlan plays this like timid like kid in an adult body in Blue Velvet and then now he's this yeah. fully formed guy that was just like ge- he he was generated <laughs> in a machine. We anyway. cut to him getting coffee at the hotel cafe mm-hmm. hotel restaurant and the. Waitress, that's right. The waitress is about to walk away and he says, you know, this is, excuse me, a damn fine cup of coffee. I've had, I can't tell you how many cups of coffee in my life. And this, this is one of the best. Now I'd like two eggs over hard. I know, don't tell me. It's hard on the arteries. What old habits die hard. Just about as hard as I want those eggs. Bacon, super crispy, almost burned. Cremate it. Uh, she says that's great. And he says, 
I was gonna say I don't I didn't think that she even replied, but I guess she does say that's great. Uh and I'll have the grape grapefruit juice. Uh and this <laughs> this is this part's dumb. It is dumb. <laughs> I don't I don't like it. <laughs> but um uh, you know, yeah. the sexy jazz starts playing. Mm-hmm. It, which, and, which is which is a cue for Audrey to enter the scene. And he says, and I'll have the grapefruit juice, as long as those grapefruits are freshly squeezed. As, as he's holding eye contact with Audrey walking over, which is s- stupid, but I laughed. Uh, a little much. <laughs> a little much, dude. Uh-huh. She's like half your age. That's, yeah, that's the thing with like, and like all these actresses being much older. Uh, but the character part is of supposed it. to be like, I think, I think the character is supposed to be 18, but still. Yeah. Yeah. I don't remember. I, Laura was 17, right? Whomst could say. Yeah, because I think, yeah, this all takes place in 89. The wiki doesn't say her age, but it says she was born in 1970. So that's, depends. I think 18 going on 19. Anyways, they talk. They really just don't, they don't, like, they just kind of introduce themselves to each other. He's like, you're the daughter of the owner of this fine establishment. He asks if she was friends with Laura. She says no. Um, She explains that she was tutoring her brother Johnny, which we talked about last time. She's also weird like him because this scene ends with her saying, you know, sometimes I get so flushed. It's interesting. Do your palms ever itch? And then it just cuts to a different uh, scene. And, the, and like, you can tell from the body language that that is her attempt to hit on him. Mm-hmm. And I guess it's working. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I like, mean that's the wild bit of it to me. We've been talking about him long enough in just this episode to be like, yeah, that, of course that would work on him. <laughs> <laughs> of course it would. Scene ends. Uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, he gets it. Coop, we're still following Cooper, though, as he gets into Sheriff's Department. There's a really funny bit where everyone in the department is uh, mumbling while they chew a donut. And mm-hmm. they're all <laughs> like they're saying things, but he can't really understand them. Let's see what happens. Oh, right. When he finally does get to talk to the sheriff, once the sheriff. Uh, well, there's a funny bit where he keeps prattling out where cooper keeps prattling on about things he thinks about the case and then like after that three minute monologue the sheriff finally gulps and the conversation's already over mm-hmm. cooper essentially says that he's going to that he, that the sheriff should go get james hurley because cooper thinks that he will know about uh if there's anything about mike and bobby that laura would have told him in confidence mm-hmm. which yeah, because he, this is the, they were kept overnight. Um, yeah, this scene's great. This, this episode really just made me think about how good this, the, the, the actor of Harry is. He doesn't even say that much, but just like, he's always doing great stuff with his eyes just watching Cooper. Like, this scene and then later mm-hmm. scenes, like, there's just, again, like, it's just like, I'm spoiled by shows or I guess movies as well, which is, this is, I guess, just less common. We're like, the camera doesn't really move a lot. It's a lot of long takes of just people, but you kind of get to just pick who you want to watch because they're all doing something. Mm-hmm. And this show is, is uh, you know, spoils you with that. And yeah, so they don't, they talk to... Like the one part we didn't even talk about in the pilot where a guy just like does the worm across the school oh hallway and, different, and never appears again. <laughs> never shows up again, but yeah. It's not the worm, but I don't know how to describe whatever he, he he's basically doing. He's doing like the worm a, with his arms. Yeah, as he likes, like like sidles fucking sideways out of the hall <laughs> fucking whoop, 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 whoop. <laughs> it's so good and this is like i think 
right before like Bobby comes in doing whatever the fuck he's doing. He does like a velociraptor. He does like a, a, a dinosaur. Like Rah! there's so much fucking business in the show. Everybody's doing business. <laughs> Ugh. Anyways, oh, I forgot to mention. I, I wanted to mention this at the top. Um, again, I'm I'm watching on these these Blu-rays. I believe it's called the Television uh, Collection. The only in stock way to to get the the first mm. two seasons on Blu-ray at this point. Because um, the, the I've just been watching it streaming on Canadian mm-hmm. streaming service Crave. Ooh, Crave isn't that sounds like a chocolate brand that's like low calorie. <laughs> Apparently, what we crave here in Canada are HBO exclusives because that's <laughs> basically what's on Crave. Mm-hmm. If it's on HBO in America, for some reason it's called Crave here. Great, and I think it's a different company on the Blu-ray, which which I really like uh, is. It's just really just a collection of everything that's aired because, again, I thought it was just for the pilot, which made sense to me. But all of these episodes have Log Lady intros. And I was like, like, what? What? Where do these come from? Uh, Because I'd I'd obviously never seen them. I just watched on streaming before. How how old is the actor in these intros? Like contemporary to... Yes. When this would have aired? Yes. Oh. Uh, I, I, I found the answer. They were filmed in, I believe, 1993. I've already hmm. lost the, the page of it. But they were the, the show was re-aired on the Bravo network oh. in, 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 in I, I think, 1993. And yeah, so David, David Lynch wrote and directed just a short wow. log lady intro for every fucking episode of the first two seasons that like kind of touches on whatever episode it's going to be. But the but the other thing about the Blu-ray is that it also will just give you a recap of last time. And it's like, you just want to play all these things. So it'll like, it'll give you uh, the Log Lady intro, a recap of last time, and then the episode, which is great for me. Yeah, I, I would podcast. hit the I want it all button. Give me the, Every <laughs> time. Give me the full undercarriage service. <laughs> yeah. So I, I probably won't talk about these Log Lady intros much. There's a, I was skimming the, there's a, there's all of them are transcribed on the Twin Peaks fandom wiki. Uh, so if you, so if you what go, is like the setting of these? Is she just like in her, a cabin it's her, somewhere? Yeah, it's her house, her cabin. Yeah, there's a couple that like only like a few of them actually move the camera in, in interesting hmm. ways. But uh, this one is just really just her talking about herself. Um, like I like I just said, I'm not gonna read all these forever. But I just like this one where such as I carry a log. Yes, is it funny to you? It is not to me. <laughs> Behind all things are reasons. Reasons can even explain the absurd. <laughs> And that's that she goes on to be like people look for things. Uh, are they called detectives? Maybe. <laughs> um, She's so right about the log thing, though. I agree with her. Mm-hmm. <laughs> there's there's, she there's some great. The log. <laughs> she could. There's some great log work in the in, in in this episode. I was as I was. I don't remember if this is ever touched on in the show proper. I was skimming the transcripts of these log lady intros, and one of them gestures at why she carries the log. And obviously, in the book that Mark Frost wrote explicitly gives mm-hmm. a reason. I don't know if I mentioned the book in detail last time, but Lynch has gone on the record saying that's Mark's Twin Peaks. Um, like, right. like he doesn't like Lynch is not a guy who wants to give answers and reasons to everything. And Frost is like, yeah, I'm going to sit down and I'm going to write a lot of backstories for things. And I'm I like, would imagine to Lynch, there's no Twin Peaks that isn't visual. You know what I mean? That doesn't have a yeah, like. I would imagine to him there's no translation of this story that is just in text. You know, mm-hmm. it's such a, yeah, it, it is such a, a, a I was going to say filmic experience. Obviously, it's television, but in the sense that, mm-hmm. like, 
the space is so much of it that I, I would imagine he'd be like, what the fuck is this fucking yeah. book about Thelema and shit? Yeah. <laughs> Aleister I, Crowley, motherfucker, mm-hmm. wild nonsense. Yeah, and it doesn't even feel like a negative thing. It just feels like a thing where he's like, yeah, yeah I mean, that's that that's Mark's side That's of what it. he wants to think. And he yeah. also made this show. Yeah, and uh, <laughs> I, I've, been reading, I've been reading Lynch on Lynch, which is just uh, basically a, a book made out of interviews with him. Uh, but like a lot of a lot of his filmmaking started with like painting. He's just like, yeah, just images come to me and I try and let them happen. And that, that seems to be like exactly yeah. how he comes to, to filmmaking as well, which is why he's um, had troubles with the film industry, which is like, here's two weeks to make a movie. Um, anyways, uh, where the fuck were we before that uh, they talked to well, doc we, so that's right um the doc explains that normally he would do the autopsy but he was you know she was his daughter's best friend so he didn't want to so he sent it out to a colleague that he trusts um but he does give the summary of the autopsy i won't go over all of it but suffice it to say that laura was uh very much abused before her murder um in terms like physically abused but also sexually abused mm-hmm. um by at least three different men and after examining ron at pulaski the other girl that uh, the, the girl that's in the coma right now mm-hmm. um he says that there's no question in his mind that it's the same perpetrator and i built this this uh i didn't take as many notes this time because last time i didn't look at my notes i just we just had the these pages pulled mm-hmm. up so this time i just wrote down things that stood out to me and this is one where this scene ends with them saying like like i think it's the doc who's like starting to get teared up thinking about um how great laura was like who would do such a thing and then it just hard cuts to uh, shelly yelling leo <laughs> <laughs> which is just a a a a, a great suggestive uh thing to do because the show cool never shavian even or I guess it's not really cool a show of effect because it's not someone's reaction image. It would be more like I guess you could describe it. The as, show does that too, though. That's right. Um, who directed? Uh, wait, hold on. It's Eisensteinian because it's it's mm. very like I am making you come to the like Sergei Eisenstein. Like I am making you come to this conclusion because I've put these two things next mm-hmm. to each other. They're not even in the same place. The the, the conversations they're having are unrelated, but I have smashed them together such that you make this. The conclusion. power of the power of film editing. It's almost like the Absolutely. cut is the most powerful tool in a filmmaker's arsenal. Or in Lynch's case, laying three That's images what, that, on top that of that each. idea comes from Sergei Eisenstein. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I didn't I didn't know his name was attached to it, but I do remember that. I just I, I remember yeah. saying that a lot when I was complaining about 1917. Um, I don't want to watch a one take movie. <laughs> uh, anyways, uh. we go to the we go to the Leo scene um, where Shelley is talking to him. He's just a real scumbag. He's Lynch is good at making complicated characters who have good things and bad things like Blue Velvet is really like. Uh, anyone can have the capacity for evil except for Laura Dern. Mm-hmm. And because um, they're, they're all, I mean, he, you know, not every character is nuanced in this way, but he'll also be really good at making characters with just zero redeemable qualities. And that's Leo in a lot of this is just like, no, there's, there's nothing nice about him. You can't rationalize how Shelley ended up married to this guy because he's just no. a piece of shit. But also that happens. I mean, that also happens in real life. There are people that are oh, absolutely real pieces of shit, and like, like it, it's it's happen. believable. It's a believable situation to mm-hmm. me, even if you do wonder, like, what the f- why, yeah, <laughs> why? Yeah. But uh, yeah, but yeah. Is- I mean, people end up in these situations, and uh, obviously, it's uh, not her fault um, mm-hmm. because essentially, did we even talk about the short scene last time where 
or or is it or has it not come up where she finds the, his shirt with blood That's on it? This is this scene. the first we hear of it? This is that scene. Uh, but- no, because ev- she eventually finds it in the in the washing machine, doesn't she? No, well, this is this is but that she- scene because she's saying, "I did all the laundry," and he's like, "Are you sure?" And she's like, "Yeah." And he hands her a bag from the truck and is like, "No, you didn't. Go do it before you leave." Oh right, um, yeah, and yeah. she finds it there and she hides it. Oh right, I was thinking of a uh, later. Oh, does it happen again? You're right. Well, because later he uh, realizes that that shirt is no longer with his clean laundry after she does his laundry in the mm-hmm. later scene, and he beats her, which is the scene that I thought we were at, which was why I was really emphasizing a terrible. Oh is yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that that, that it's comes real, later. real bad. Yeah, I think I think there's it's it's split up between three scenes: it's her finding the shirt and like putting it in a drawer rather than washing it, and then after she leaves to go to work, he like realizes it's missing doesn't see it in the washing machine and then later when she comes home from work he he assaults her um off screen but uh, very heavily implied with a lot of uh effective performances also there's a lot to be i don't know what it is but their house being unfinished does a lot without being like nobody really com- comments on it or says anything but the setting is i find right particularly uh, effective for those scenes people it really gives the impression of how far out they are in the sticks yeah people people talk a lot about like uh, the the frequency of which women endure violence in Lynch properties as a as a criticism, and I think a lot about his response to it, which is, am, am I making it up or am I showing it? Am I showing real things happening? And that's especially true, I think, of the Shelley and Leo stuff. I think there I think there is a lot of validity to the criticism as well. Um, depending on uh, the oh work. sure, I'm not I'm not completely writing it off, but yeah, yeah, but yeah, I mean, it is it it's. It's certainly a subject matter that he is drawn to, which, uh, you know, has its ups and its downs um, mm-hmm. because he's not a woman. Um, <laughs> this is so true. He can. Right. Um, anyway, yeah. uh, let's see. Now we get to the James interrogation with uh, Cooper, uh, that's and right. Cooper and Harry, where James basically just comes out and says everything like he doesn't really mm-hmm. hide it. He's like, yeah, I filmed the video. Uh, they ask if they knew she was doing cocaine and he was like yeah i tried to get her to stop uh, it, she i think she says she did for a while but then she, I, she got but back then on she it. started acting strangely again i think is what he says mm-hmm. uh the only thing he doesn't he says he recognizes the heart necklace but he doesn't admit that he uh ever had it he doesn't i he says he doesn't know who has it now which is technically true although he doesn't know it was taken out of the ground that's right yeah he he he, he lies about that and they they let him go he he looks very sad and he has a big forehead. <laughs> We, we have to acknowledge it. A frown about as tall as that forehead. <laughs> yeah. Then we get a long sh- uh, take of Bobby and Mike arguing in their cell, which reveals a lot of information that they're up to shit with Leo. Yeah, I don't know if we get it in so many terms, but they are drug running for him. We'll find that out in, yeah. I think, all the details of that in future episodes, but essentially... It's, it's, like- it's intentionally mysterious, as this show often is, but we're a recap podcast, so... But we know... Th- yeah, we know that they need to get at this point the audience knows that they have money that they need to get to leo but they're stuck in prison and that's bad laura why couldn't i remember her name laura had the (laughs) other half of the money when Mm -hmm. she died so they're uh fucked (laughs) yeah 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 they needed uh they're like they don't know where they're gonna get the other uh ten thousand from um i guess it wasn't on her when she died but it's in the safety deposit box that the cops went through mm-hmm. that cooper and the sheriff went through 
What I, what I will say I like about the mystery of it all, and not to just necessarily spoil a bunch of things, but uh, Twin Peaks is good. At, and I mean, this is true of mis- good mysteries in general. Twin Peaks didn't invent the mystery, but uh, it's, it's really good at being like, everybody's into something. It's just that none of it is relevant, really, to the the mm-hmm. the main singular who killed Laura Palmer plot, which is, I think, very effective as the as the show goes on. Everybody's caught up in some web or another. Yeah, and and you know, Laura herself was tied into a lot of it. You know, it, it is yeah. it is a tangled web that is weaved. But I, I I had read in oh I don't remember which book now. I've been doing a lot of reading, but uh, Mark Frost I believe said uh, that they made the entire first season just kind of before anything else was aired. Like they were like, yeah, the pilot got picked up. We made a whole season with nobody really looking over yeah. our shoulders. And then season two is where I, I, ABC kind of leans on him a little bit more to make. Well, um, I mean, once they realized show. they had a hit on their hands, they had to make sure to milk it. And by the end of the season, they're like, cancel it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You, li- you listen to our notes and now it's not good. <laughs> yep. Uh, and I like it. I'll defend all the don't stuff that people don't like. Don't seem to go. <laughs> yeah. Um, so after their conversation, James goes back to his cell. He's not, he, he's waiting on his, his uncle to come pick him up. Oh, Donna ha- tells her complicated situation to her mom where she's like, I'm so torn. I'm very, very sad that my best friend in the whole world that I love dearly has been found dead. But I did realize I'm in love with the guy she was singing. And I'm really happy we're together they, now. You know what they say about guys with big foreheads? <laughs> <laughs> They're Dumb as rocks. Uh, we get a yeah, yeah. It's essentially, she just it's true for James. Mom anyway. that she's in love with her dead best friend's secret boyfriend. <laughs> mm-hmm. Good scene. That's really you know, mm-hmm. I really it like quick. it. I really th- th- there's some more James and Donna stuff later on. We mm-hmm. probably won't even talk about it because it it's not plot important. But they have the most believable high schoolers. On their first date, meeting yeah, their parents, like not on a first date, but like meeting their parents. Like James has dinner with Donna's parents. He and wears a sweater vest, doesn't he? It, uh, yeah, or is it at just least a like he at least wears some layers for sure. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, and it's just so pinpoint accurate of the type of socially awkward that that experience is. The the awkward mm-hmm. pauses are the right length. Everyone's very very polite because everyone's trying to give a good first impression. It's very mm-hmm. wholesome. It's very sweet. And it's been what a day. Since uh, the thing, right. the, the the big thing happened, but yeah, I, yeah, I don't know if we'll talk about that scene much when we get to it in the timeline. But so Cooper meets uh, Big Ed Hurley, who wasn't really in the last episode much. We talked about a little bit of him and Nadine, but he's James's uncle. His wife has the eye patch and the drapes. Mm-hmm. Nadine, we'll get great Nadine scene in this episode. Uh, big Ed Hurley, one of my favorite characters, and I think it has a lot to just do with Everett McGill's incredible voice. I just want him to tell me things forever he's got a great look a great mm-hmm. voice and the, a good character name like yeah check 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 and he owns big ed's gas farm yeah fucking quadruple check he's, that he's, rules that's all i need but also he's a good character yeah also that uh he's he, i he's the villain in under siege 2 which i watched recently not <laughs> not a good movie but it is so funny seeing him his like thing like turning up to being a bad guy uh, opposite yeah, fucking huh. Steven Seagal's fucking not cinematically appealing uh, martial arts. <laughs> mm. Anyways, uh, he talks about uh, Bobby and Mike uh, because he's like, you know, once James, like, they, basically he's like, yeah, James is good to go. Just go get him. Um, but, and he's like, well, Bobby and Mike are uh, 
definitely gonna uh, go after him once they're also let free. Lucy says that there's a call for Cooper from uh, another FBI agent, Agent uh, Albert Rosenfield, who we will talk about plenty in the runtime of this podcast. He's not actually in this episode. Uh, But after Cooper steps away, Ed and Harry, the Sheriff Harry Truman, have a conversation. And what I really like about this scene is the way Harry lights up in a way he hasn't yet uh, when he's talking to someone he's been friends with his whole life. Like, it's just a very different... Mm-hmm. performance all of a sudden and i was like that's a good good subtle detail um i don't even oh, buddies. oh i was gonna say i don't remember what they talked about but i just read it um ed says that he like he wasn't knocked out by the fight that he had at the roadhouse he thinks that his uh his beer was was drugged because he was like yeah i just you know they didn't the kids didn't hit me that hard i'm not that old and jacques renault was tending the bar mm-hmm. i love so much that the organized crime in this universe is french canadians it's <laughs> so funny to me with like sure of course there have been french canadian criminals but it's just when you like you know it's refreshing to have a mm-hmm. drugs being run over the border story and it's french canadians mm-hmm. i love it a lot i, I uh, just want to jacques we'll, renault we'll, we'll talk more uh, i mean maybe we won't actually i don't think it's really relevant but uh, Jacques Renault. I just want to point out that his brother is named Jean Renault, and their father is mm-hmm. Jean Jacques Renault. <laughs> yeah, just, it's good. That's just, th- th- there's a third brother named Bernard. I don't even know how the fuck they. Like, so I've got to come up with a new name now. Shit, got a third one. Well, it's maybe the dad's middle name. Yeah, maybe. That means he has four names: Jean Jacques Bernard Renault. We. Oui. Uh. Anyways, well, yeah, he he'll be around later. He's involved. The French Canadians. Anyways. Uh, after oh yeah i guess we can talk about briefly cooper's conversation with albert on the phone which is really just that he needs him down uh before the funeral that he he wants albert to look at uh lord's body um and he shows up in the next episode right uh who does albert that's right yeah played by uh the late uh miguel ferrer one of the just one of the best actors if you know he's just he's just one of the best assholes in this show too on screen yeah he gives one of the best speeches probably from the show that we'll get to eventually. Uh, anyways, Norma runs into Nadine. This conversation. <laughs> this is, can I do the Nadine voice? Uh, yeah, let me, let me try and find it because I can do Norma's lines uh, for this. Oh, I, I just scrolled past something I wanted to point out that Mike calls Bobby Bopper. I just, you know, that's just worth mentioning. <laughs> Snake and Bopper, yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, all right, let me, I can probably just search for drapes. um yes okay so yeah they're norma uh, norma is the owner of the double r the the secret lover of of big ed uh which is why shelly's boss yeah which is which is why norma has a silent beef with her because it's not subtle um but she walks into this uh this i don't know store i don't even know what they sell here it's the twin peaks general store it says so right on the front general store that's why i couldn't be more specific Hmm. as i tried to think of it but they run into each other they have a nice little uh model train replica of twin Mm -hmm. peaks it's very cute it's very cute uh they run into each other and norma says uh hi nadine and norma or sorry nadine says what are you doing here norma i might ask you the same question at which point i'm like this is the store (laughs) <laughs> and but Nadine says, and I will tell you, I've gotten all new drapes for my house. Ed bought them from me yesterday at Gentleman Jim's, and we installed them together. 
They're a beige sheer. I was up all night last night. Do you know what I was doing? Uh, No, I don't. I was inventing a noiseless, completely silent drape runner. (laughs) And do you know how it works? Do you know what makes it work? The thing that I thought of at four o'clock this morning when I was wailing for my husband to be released from intensive care? Cotton balls. (laughs) By God, those things will be quiet now. I don't even remember this line, but I guess Norma says, did you have to post bail? Uh, no, this is a different scene. That was the end of the scene. Oh, is that really the end of it? Scene ends. Yeah. That's, that's so funny. What, uh, what, the what scene a, that we cut to, though, is just, incre- just to put a footnote on it, incredible scene. It's Nadine's very the good. Best. <laughs> Not plot important, but um, she will continue to try and invent these silent drape runners for the rest of... And, until she has a so new, a way, it, it, different, absurd plot line going on. In a way, it's plot important for her. <laughs> like that's, I think that's kind of the point for Nadine, is that she is like a... Like, she's on her own path. Exactly. Like she's got she's got her own movie, you know. And to her, it's very important, even if it looks. Yeah. Odd you know they the they they, they published that secret diary of Laura Palmer, which is which is written by uh, David Lynch's daughter Jennifer. I would love to read the secret diary of Nadine. That's what I need. <laughs> Give me that. I know. It's just prob- a recording of of decibel ratings of different <laughs> Drake <laughs> That's yeah. It would be a um, lot of that. Uh, anyways, I, I, no, I think this next scene is James and uh, Ed, then, probably. That's right. Um, and, it's, yeah, it's, it's James asking his Uncle Ed if he had to pay bail to let him out, and, that, and Ed says no, he talked with Harry, and there's no charge. Um, we get a, you know, they have an, in a more um, smooth way than I am doing, they give us the exposition that James's mom is still out of town. Apparently she's not around that much. He's going to go back with Ed, and uh, he mentions to Ed that he's going to need a hand from the Bookhouse Boys. It's the first the we've heard of them, boys. but Ed seems to know what he's talking about. Oh, yeah, and also... Uh, and the reason he says that he needs a hand from the Bookhouse Boys is because he says someone's got to watch his back. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, from, from Snake and Bopper. Mm-hmm. But uh, something else I noticed is when, like, Hawk brings him out um, to Ed... And when he's walking away, they both do this hand sign, like where they draw, like, draw a line down their cheek, which um, it's like a teardrop kind yeah, of motion. Yeah, like that that tied with mentioning the bookhouse boys as some sort of collective for the first time is it's a secret society. Yeah. Yeah. And after that, we get um, a scene that includes probably my favorite thing to quote from Twin Peaks, if I had to guess. Because we go now to Cooper and Harry visiting uh, Pete Martell, and uh, Josie's there. They have you know pleasant conversation. She says, uh, "What what's what's her exact line that he, that Pete corrects?" Uh, I think she's on top of the morning. Yeah, on top of the morning. Yeah, to she you, says Pete. on top of the morning to you, Pete. Yeah, and he and he corrects her, and it's only barely morning. Uh, yeah, she he he uh, she thanks him for standing up to Catherine the other day with the. You know, that the plot line with the mills. Y'all know the plot people line don't remember, with the mills. The reason that she doesn't know top of the morning is because uh, her English is great. She's from Hong Kong. Her English is great, but she's at the point where, like, she doesn't have all the idioms down. And that's mm-hmm. kind of like that kind of comes up again in a later conversation, too. Yeah. Um, but yeah. And yeah, she thanks him for standing up for her to his 
horrifying wife. <laughs> Catherine is another character that's just irredeemable in the show. Like, just yeah. exclusively does bad things, and the performance is just so. Catherine Martell might be one of the most Yo. soap opera performances, but in a great way. I love in it. In like six years, when we cover all the Kingdom Hearts shit that we need to, and we get back to season two, we're going to get into a whole new universe of reasons to hate Catherine Martell, uh-huh. too. Ugh. I'm excited. Yeah. Anyway. That's one way to describe it. <laughs> We got we got to unpack it. Anyways, uh, yeah. So Cooper and Harry show up. I, is it Josie who says she's gonna make coffee? That's what I remember. Um, no. Uh, well, I think Pete does because the sheriff and Cooper are here to talk to Josie. Mm, okay. Um, something else happens with the coffee that I don't think Pete did is the reason I I remembered it that way. Yeah. Uh, they talked to Josie about Laura because Laura was Josie's English tutor. Uh, or at least she was helping her with her English. Uh, yeah, Meals on Wheels, English tutor, Mm -hmm. helping Johnny, being involved in, uh, the cocaine trade. She knew, she saw it all. Yeah. Her hands in, uh, a bunch of cookie jars. I don't recall a lot of important things coming from that conversation. Um, they kind of establish a timeline that, uh, the last Josie saw her was at five o'clock on Thursday after the lesson. Josie does mention that Laura seemed strange that day, and she even said to Josie, I think I now understand how you feel about your husband's death, Uh, but she didn't elaborate what that means. The phone rings, Mm -hmm. and she grabs the phone. Uh, When she leaves the room, Cooper does his, like, uh, mind palace bullshit and is like, (laughs) Harry, how long you been seeing her? Um, cause he can see right through it cause of the body language mm-hmm. and Harry says, geez, Louise, <laughs> <laughs> which is funny. Um, there's, I, I'm not pinning all of this on Twin Peaks, especially because it's like, uh, it, it, it's compelling narratively to have actors sell their thoughts, uh, in, in this way, uh, where the audience can come to the conclusion around the same time that, uh, you know, a detective or somebody does in a movie. Uh, I was thinking about this also with the James scene where they're interrogated, but like so, like so many propaganda shows have done that, where it's like, oh, you can just read body language and tell when people people are lying. That have just kind of warped what a lot of people people's brains actually think about. Oh, like, yeah, uh, there's, there's a, this. There's so a great I, citations, I really like uh, needed episode on that, and also why forensics are kind of dumb and bad. Yeah, I really like uh, Ace Attorney as a franchise, but in. Some of the games in particular, especially the one I'm playing now, uh, Apollo Justice, uh, the, the gimmick is that you have the ability to, like, brain blast and see <laughs> how people's uh, nervous tics directly correlate with the lies that they're telling you at the moment. And it's like, ah, I see you were scratching your neck while you said that. That means that he actually struck you there, not what... And it's like, dude, that's not how anything works. Yeah. Uh, but and, and yeah, again, there's a lot of shit like that in these types of stories. Narratively compelling. I get where it comes from. Right, right. But uh, it's, it's it's fiction. It's very useful in, it's a, in a script writing sense. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, too many too many propaganda shows have uh, <laughs> treated it like like not uh, a fictional tool. To listen to citations needed. Anyways, uh, yes, yeah, so they've been seeing each other for six weeks. He mentions that Andrew, her husband, died a year and a half ago. And uh, right as they go to drink their coffee, Pete runs in. And says, fellas, don't drink that coffee. 
and I think I think Cooper's probably already making a face by this point. Um, but he, uh-huh. Pete says, "You'd never guess. There was a fish in the percolator." <laughs> they they swallow their awful cup of coffee, uh, or their their sip, I guess. And um, he just says, "Sorry," and uh, this is a, it's a long sorry. beat. <laughs> Oh man, Jack! Mace, God, such a king. fucking the end of scene. Thank you, the king of, of line deliveries, Jack Nance. Mm-hmm. It, it's it's Catherine on the phone who just kind of is also she he, she yells at Josie for the, the she's like I'm gonna tell you exactly how much money we lost because you shut down for a day. Um, and she's also yeah, she's literally just racist. intimidating her, I guess. Also, yeah, uh, yeah I, I would. Uh, she 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 calls it shenanigans and says, "You do know what shenanigans are, don't you?" Which is racist, of course. Although she does end up later asking what shenanigans are, which I wonder if she actually knows and is just asking. Uh, that's more of a knowing where her plotline goes question. And yeah, and then she gets off the phone. Later, we see that she uh, she she just had a a sexual affair. With uh, Benjamin. By Horn. she, you mean you still mean Catherine? I not, do mean not Catherine. Josie. Yes, I mean I mean I mean Catherine, who is yeah sleeping with Benjamin Horn, the owner of the Great Northern, because they um, are evil together. Is this what straights are like? Because I don't, <laughs> I don't like, I don't like it, man. <laughs> yeah, that's because they're like, because they're like talking about doing arson together, mm-hmm. but the way that they say it is, it's supposed to be like sexy. I uh, don't like it, but the gist of it is that while they are also having their affair together, they are also having some sort of business affair wherein they are trying, I guess, to devalue the Packard Sawmill land such that they want it all to be owned by Ben by Horn one can buy it from Josie um, and then give Catherine partial ownership because Catherine essentially feels that she already does own this mill and it's just. Like, she should have gotten it when her brother died, but instead it went to her her brother's widow, Josie, and so she is mm-hmm. conspiring with Benjamin Horn, who wants to buy out the land. Uh, to he, sell he just to, wants to make, like, a mall, uh, right? Northern, Euro- Northern <laughs> Europeans. Uh, he says the Ghostwood uh, development. I, I envision it as, like, um, some sort of, like, uh, nature retreat he's trying to build, but I'm not mm-hmm. sure if we get the deets. Yeah, it also doesn't matter. It, it it works enough as like the metaphor for what it is. But yeah, no, they they're they're they're, they're straight people's pillow talk is uh, land development and uh, uh, <laughs> it, it, I I could certainly imagine queer people talking about arson after sex and it being fine if it's like you know burning down a police department. Sure, but straight people no, they talk about doing it for the for the purposes of land development. Anyways, I don't remember. Uh, what happens in the rest, like with Cooper and Harry in this scene? Eventually, they leave to go off and do something else. The only thing I, I uh, I'm really thankful for this transcripts that we found for both seasons, but they don't have names in front of the lines, which is where I get lost pretty easily looking at it. Yeah, it's tough because a lot of the scripts are they the script sacrifice like the ad libs or the directions given to the actors because it literally often is just the script like the. The script that they used on set, which is not always what they end up saying. So, yeah, we've been mm-hmm. using, like, essentially transcribed subtitles, but they don't have character names. So it is difficult to yeah. we make uh, find out where we are. But I've um, just been going back and forth between that and the wiki recap. <laughs> uh, yeah. 
But uh, apparently, yeah, so the next scene is Donna going to visit Laura's mom. And this scene is just kind of upsetting um, where when talking to her, her mom, Sarah, sees like her daughter's face in Donna and then like hugs her. Uh, But then she gets a different bad vision of a I believe this is the first time we've seen him clearly in the show. A a man with just long gray hair, like crouching at the foot of a bed. Not like like it's not where she would be looking in this scene. It is it is very clearly just like a a vision hitting her. And it's it scares her and she screams and Donna leaves. Apparently in the kind of behind the scenes lore, the origin for that image of the guy crouching behind the bed frame is that he's the sound guy or something. And he was like fixing a cable. So the uh, I if I remember the story correctly, it's that he was like fixing a cable. Lynch didn't know he was there, so he had to like so he like crouched while the scene was happening so that he hoped he wasn't on camera, but he was. And Lynch was like, that's the most horrifying thing I've ever seen. <laughs> it's just this uh, greasy, long-haired huh. man crouching behind a, a child's bed frame. But so I don't necessarily know exactly if any of the things we see are an accident, but they are at least inspired by an accident. So the story goes. Well, we'll talk about this character more in time. Uh, but yeah, she gets this vision to scare her. She screams. That's basically the end of the scene. That's just that's a thing that we'll talk about more as we get to later episodes. Uh, for now, it's just uh, scary and upsetting. The next quick scene that doesn't really matter, uh, where, I mean, it matters, but Hawk talking to uh, Ronette Pulaski's parents. They mentioned that she was working at a perfume counter at, I, did they say the name of the place? One-Eyed Jacks? Yep, Horn's Department Store. Oh, Horn's Department Store. One-Eyed Jacks is something different. But yeah, she was working at the perfume counter. That will, te- that will be important later. There's a shot of the one-armed man again. Uh, I think Hawk chases and him Hawk, and loses track of him. Yeah, Hawk doesn't really chase him, but follows him because I think it, he follows him because, if I remember correctly, he's walking to the morgue, which is a weird place for a dude who doesn't work at the hospital yeah. to be going. Uh, but but yeah, he loses him through the caverns. If I guess they're in the hospital, I guess that would make sense because Ronette is yeah. in the hospital, so yeah. it makes sense that her parents would be as well. Yeah, but that's the end of the scene, though. Mm-hmm. Then we get. Audrey admitting to her dad that she's the reason that all the Norwegians left last episode. Mm -hmm. He is very mean. Yeah, we kind of see the colors of his like the the way in which he is mean and abusive. Clearly cares more about money than about his family. And his daughter is uh, lashing out in response to that in a way that's kind of understandable. Yeah, and he's just doubling down. Uh, yeah, she's like yep. dancing in his office. Um, Audrey dancing is a thing that we'll see plenty of over time. Uh, but yeah, she, she admits what she did and yeah, his line is particularly harsh. I don't have it pulled up in the transcript, but he's like, he, he references, he says, oh, go ahead. Yeah, I have it here. He says, do you realize the kind of money that your little performance just cost this family? If you ever pull another stunt like that, you are going to be scrubbing bidets in a Bulgarian convent. Which like, damn, dude. <laughs> That's not even the line I was thinking of. That was, uh, let me let me scroll down a little bit. Oh, he says, Laura it. died two days ago. I lost you years ago. Which That's... is also an ah! awful thing to say to your yeah. daughter. Awful. God, he sucks. The scene with him eating the sandwich is funny that we'll get to, but man. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
He contains multitudes, don't we all? The next scene is another bad dad scene. Uh, it's it's Bobby having dinner with his family, and his dad, uh, Major Garland Briggs, is uh, still dressed in his full military garb. I don't know. Spoiler if- alert, he always will be. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he, I don't think he, he's literally never wearing anything else on screen, which is a great bit. I gotta say. It's so good. And and like we this is the first time we hear him speak, I think, or at least more than a like a line lines, or two. But this is like a monologue, basically. And we realize that his manner of speaking he speaks like a wartime head of state giving a public address, mm-hmm. even when he's just talking to his family. So they're at dinner and he says, Robert, uh, I was hoping we'd have a chance to discuss the events of the past few days. Not necessarily the physical events themselves, but rather the thoughts and feelings surrounding it. Rebellion in a young man your age is a necessary fact of life. Candidly, a sign of strength. In other words, Robert, I respect your rebellious nature. However, being your father, I am obligated to contain that fire of contrariness within the bounds established by society. You're slipping into Xehanort. I'm just kind of doing a Major Xehanort Briggs. <laughs> as well as those within our family structure. Robert, I note your reluctance to enter into a dialogue with me, your father. There are times when silence is golden. Silence can be taken many ways. as a sign of intelligence. The quieter we become, the more we hear. Uh, Bobby lights up a cigarette and his dad hits him. Yeah, it's... It's scary, honestly. It is. Uh, it's really frightening to see this guy go f- like with his, you know, ample vocabulary to suddenly just immediately resort to hitting his son. Obviously, mm-hmm. he's not happy that his son is smoking at the dinner table. But Jesus, don't you don't have to hit him. Yeah, it's almost like that. That anyway, thing you said about respecting rebellion is wrong. It was a lie. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, their their relationship is uh, very tenuous for uh, I think the majority of these first two seasons. There's yeah. there's some 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 stuff that I'm quite a fan of near the end of it. I, I think it's near the end. But and now I'm just imagining that monologue that I'm thinking of in the diner in Zaynor's voice, which is gonna be great to get <laughs> funny. Uh the also if if it if it jars you that we go from laughing about Zaynor's voice to talking about violent acts, that's Twin Peaks. That that just it is for sure. I, yeah. I see Twin Peaks. Um the, the mm-hmm. cigarette lands in the meatloaf and his mom just like has to just not address it, which also I think says a lot without saying anything. Mm-hmm. Good, good, good stuff. Uh, yeah, I don't know if we need to read the the rest of what he says. Um, his mom. I just thought I'd give people an idea of his yeah. patter. The only thing his mom says in this scene is "We're here for you, Bobby," which is just like an empty, like an empty kindness after that. And like maybe she means it, but like Major Briggs seems to be the the patriarch of the house, mm-hmm. the guy making the calls. So it kind of has the impact of like. Sure, mom. Whatever. He's we, still gonna slap we, me. <laughs> we hear you. Know you I mean? We like, hear you. We see you. Yeah. But yeah, like to 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 say that and not call out what just happened as a problem. Yeah. Uh. Yeah. So after that, we go to uh the Double R Diner, where uh Cooper is getting uh, a new cup of coffee, and Sheriff Truman recommends he tries the pie, which he likes so much that he orders two more slices. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think. I think Harry's line is. Let me see if I can find it. It's like, you, have, you must have the metabolism of a bee or something. <laughs> <laughs> Not too much plot important in this scene. It's kind of a connective tissue scene. Mm-hmm. They order from Shelly Johnson, and Cooper notes that her, uh, her last name is with a J, and they're looking for somebody with a J, and so Sheriff Truman 
fills him in that she also has a husband whose last name is Johnson, being Leo. And he sucks. They catch up with the log lady, and the log, log lady says that her log saw something and that it will one day have something to say about Laura. But mm-hmm. um, she says to Cooper, "Why don't you ask it?" But he, and he doesn't have the guts to actually yeah. ask her log. So she's like, "Fuck you, dude! If you don't." So not gonna get. meet me on my terms. I'm not gonna meet you at all. And she leaves. Which I, like fair. I love it. Uh, her performance is great. And um, the log lady has a name. I don't know. if She, she says it in the in the first intro that I watched, but I don't know if when we actually learn it. And yeah, that's that's another scene where I was just watching Harry's face the whole time. Is it like is he gonna? He's taking this log seriously. Is he gonna ask the log? And, <laughs> no, of course, of course he doesn't. Uh, anyways, yeah. So after this, uh, is uh Shelley coming home? And Leo's cutting open a football. I don't remember what he does with this thing, but then he, yeah, he asks it's, about it. It eventually is revealed as where, so like he eventually uses it to smuggle money. Mm. It's a, it's a, he's hiding something in it. I think it. Yeah. I think when Mike and Bobby come to him with the money, that's where Leo puts it. It's either that or something like that. Yeah, I mean that makes sense too. They're they're footballers. Uh, but yeah, then yeah, Shelley comes home and she's. Just uh, perfectly nice and kind, uh, and he's like, "Where's my shirt?" And um, she doesn't say, and he he assaults her, and it's harrowing. And then we cut from that to the most awkward date we've ever seen with. Uh, oh yeah, that's the one we mentioned. Yeah, the very wholesome James Hurley, Donna Hayward, and Hayward family. Which uh, Will is his name. We were wondering what Doc Hayward's first name mm. is, and it's Will and Eileen Hayward. Mm. Um, but they have some soft drinks, fruit punch, sparkling cider. It's very cute. There's apparently a, what did Eileen? I, apparently Eileen's been cooking up a storm. I don't know if we hear what she actually, actually cooked, but yeah, it yeah, seems I, nice. I don't remember. Bobby and Mike uh, drive up outside and they see James's bike. Mike's like, first your girlfriend, now mine. Uh, and my, and Bob- the, the date scene is so nice. I had com- I, like you kind of completely forget that Donna is technically dating someone else. Yeah, she's you, dating, you do. technically still dating Mike. They have like one interaction, and he's such a shitbag that you just kind of like. Yeah, you, it's not like you ever really feel bad for him or think she's in the no. wrong. But like, uh, yeah, it's 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 this thing where like, oh yeah, I I almost I almost forgot as well. It, it, yeah, he's like first your girlfriend, then mine, and then Bobby's like, it's a shame we can only kill him once. Damn. the The final scene of uh, of this episode is someone we haven't talked about much. He was in the first, he was in the pilot, but uh, Doctor Lawrence Jacoby in his the weird psychiatrist in in his Hawaiian office. Um, and he loads in his up his Hawaiian shirt. Mm-hmm. He's a Hawaii. He's not a Hawaiian man. He's a white man, but he's very uh, <laughs> into this uh, this. A Hawaiian setting that he's very obsessed with. That'll tell you all you need to know about him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're not wrong. Uh, but he uh, he referenced last time his relate like he he was seeing Laura. Uh, we don't know to to what extent he says as a as a patient and his parents didn't know. It's it's more than that. But uh, he puts in a tape that she made for him and uh, he starts listening to it on headphones. Just some some good audio work here. Where like. It gets quieter when he puts in the headphones, and then once he puts uh, the the phones on both ears, you don't hear it anymore. So it cuts off at a at a suspenseful moment. Uh, she's talking about just her life. It's like she's talking about her relationship with James, and she's like, "He's the kindest guy I've ever met, but man, he's dumb as a bag of rocks." Like that's I think that's mm-hmm. almost the quote that she gives. She says, "God, James is sweet, but he's so dumb." 
Yeah, and uh, she's like, I can only take so much of sweet anymore. And she goes on, I don't remember what the, the, the actual final quote that she, uh, she lands she, on. Yeah, well, you can kind of get from the it's manner the that transcript. she's speaking and the, oh, here it is. the, like, colloquialism she's using that, like, there's an intimacy between her and Dr. Jacoby that mm-hmm. was not indicated by Jacoby saying that she was just a patient of his. Yeah. And it ends with this, this recording of Laura ends with her saying, I just know I'm going to get lost in those woods again tonight. I just know it. Remember me telling you about that mystery man? Well, and that's where Dr. Jacoby puts on, he was just listening in one cup of the headphones and then he puts both of them on. So mm-hmm. we, the audience can no longer hear as he begins to cry and opens up a coconut, a little decorated coconut and inside he has that's where he has put the other half of the heart necklace that he presumably dug up from where james and donna buried it it was and that's him. the end of the sode that's, that's it was he it was he that's the end of the sode and the end of the pod what a what a cliffhanger and next time we get to episode two also known as episode three which uh i'm very excited about it's 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 a yeah. banger of an app. So we'll we'll talk about it then. Uh, but until then, my good friend Wheels, where could people find you on the internet? Twitter.com slash singular wheels. Oh, and uh, also a little podcast called Very Random Encounters. It's where some friends and I play tabletop role-playing games and randomly determine as much as is possible. Uh, we're playing Bubblegum Shoe. It's been a lot of fun. I am playing a character named Lady Johnston. She is... Uh, you know, kind of like James, very sweet, very dumb, hmm. but she, you know, she's a very fun character to play and it's a, uh, sort of young adult, uh, mystery novel jo- kind of genre that we're playing in Bubblegum Shoe. It's a lot of fun. So you can check that out at, uh, vre.show and you can also buy our book of random fantasy tabletop role-playing game encounters you can pre-order it rather at bit.ly forward slash random book with a capital r and b what about you joe oh you can find me on twitter at ghost of joe ghost of j-o i make another podcast called we are watching one piece which is a recap podcast of the anime called one piece i'm re-watching it my uh, co-host jory is watching it for the first time and uh, I believe this month we will be finishing Punk Hazard and starting uh, Dress Rosa, which I'm excited about. We'll be in Dress Rosa for the majority of this calendar year. Um, and I'm excited to, to go through it. Yeah, go, go listen to that if you're into One Piece. You want a companion for, uh, for watching along if, if you're watching it. I've um, also been writing essays about Disney movies, a project called Make Mine Movies. That, uh, you can go to ghostofjoe.com to read them, or if you search Make Mine Movies on a podcast app or Spotify, you can listen to me read them to you audio versions uh they're usually like 10 minutes or less uh rarely longer and uh yeah i'm getting into the 50s now i uh i think the week that this comes out i'll be doing peter pan which is a uh, a mess for the obvious reasons i think leading the tramps after that i i'm not pulling up to look but yeah those are those are my stuff to plugs uh as you can also find our twitter uh for the show at memorize cast uh in our pinned tweet you'll find a link to our discord it's also in the show notes if you want to talk about this it's about time for me to make a twin peaks room as we're recording right now it should be there by the time you're listening to this and uh yeah a bunch of weird shit's happening in unchained but uh just a reminder we will be talking about it after we finish season one of twin peaks so we'll get into that in july before we start uh neo to woo woo 
um, which I am looking forward to to getting there. But uh, we're just you know, it's gonna end. We're just waiting till it's done at this point. Um, I'm sure you all understand. But uh, yeah, uh, our theme music comes from the the Black Lodge, whatever it is, whoever it came from. Uh, but I'll put a link to it in the show notes from where we found it. And I think that's that's probably it. I think we talk Patreon, Discord, oh, that sort no. of thing. We didn't do Patreon, but yeah, you can go support us on Patreon if you want to get these episodes a couple days early. You usually go up the Sunday before the public uh, release, which is on Tuesdays. Uh, you can support us at one dollar a month to get those early. Uh, Five dollars a month will get you monthly bonus episodes. We do. We uh, we trade off explaining stuff to each other. Uh, I take JoJo on some months and and alternating with Wheels explaining some Elder Scrolls stuff, or we've been going through a graphic novel manuscript called Coda, which uh, has been a a bizarre blast. Um, I've suggested at some point we take a month to do Glory Hammer because. Uh, I'm now obsessed with this band, but I have yet so to, under, to understand so the plot. I can't, I understand loose threads. I'm starting to learn character names. It's honestly not that complicated because I of just the types of stories it. that they like. But yeah. <laughs> yeah. I just I just think it'll be fun to sit down and, and say plainly and laugh about with my good friend Wheels. So we'll, Yeah, we we'll should for sure do that. Do that at um, some point. Do you want, I, I have a little nugget if you want to, um, like, reward the people who stick past the plugs, because I sure. found the... I found a description. We were talking about the uh, the scene of the guy with the greasy hair behind the bed and whether or not it was oh, an yes. accident. And Frank, at least Frank according Silva to the wiki, is the, is the I actor. Found, that's that's right. I found um, at least a description of that behind the scenes story from the wiki. So um, you can trust it at least a little more than me. <laughs> it says during the filming of a scene in the pilot taking place in Laura's room, Frank Silva, a set dresser during the shootings, but also an actor accidentally trapped himself in the room prior to filming by inadvertently moving a dresser in front of the door. Lynch had an image of Silva struck stuck in the room and thought he could fit it into the series somewhere and told Silva that he would like him to return to be in the series. Lynch and Silva Lynch had Silva crouch at the foot of Laura's bed and look through the bars of the footboard as if he were trapped behind them and filmed it. Then had Silva leave the room and filmed an empty room. After reviewing the footage, Lynch liked the presence that Silva brought to the scene and decided that he would put him somewhere in the series. And boy, did he. Did he. It's 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 really good. Um, I love I, that Lynch is very much about finding stuff when he makes uh, movies and I guess now TV with this. Um. And if you're good at it, it works. And he is. Absolutely. But yeah, and if yeah, Frank Silva, not, you know, really an actor, but a very compelling face. And Lynch Lynch yeah. is right about like being like that that is striking me. I'm going to to use it. Uh and uh yeah, he has a, a little bit more in the alternate ending that we I did not really talk about much last time. Because we'll talk about it next time, because it's mostly the end of next week's episode. Yeah, well I don't Maybe, I don't know if the scene, I don't, not the scene that I'm thinking of. Um, the scene that I'm thinking uh, of kind of goes nowhere, <laughs> but uh, but huh. some some of it, the, the 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 stuff in the red room for sure, obviously comes up, uh, and I'm very excited to talk about that uh, next time. And I believe, yeah, I think that's everything to plug. So uh, I did the intro, which means it's your turn to say the things that you say at wheel. Oh boy! And what I say is, what was the subtitle of this episode? Traces of nowhere. That was episode two slash episode one traces of nowhere yeah, yeah i didn't, didn't mean my boss <laughs> <laughs>